This is Taking Care in Business, a podcast that dives into the topic of corporate social responsibility from many different perspectives. Host Kathy Pedrotti Hayes is an expert in CSR and philanthropic giving, and her co-host, Vicki Bolson, is the founder and CEO of Bolson Group, a unified marketing company that was also the first B Corp certified company in Indiana. Kathy and Vicki became friends and equally passionate about CSR when they first worked together several years ago. Join them as they talk about why it is always worthwhile to take care in business. Taking Care in Business is made possible with support from Conscious Capitalism, Inc., helping individuals and companies become more conscious with transformational experiences that inspire, educate, and empower people and organizations to elevate humanity through business. Go to ConsciousCapitalism.org for more information. Hey, Kathy. How are you? I'm great. How about you, Vicki? I am good. I'm good. You know how I've been talking about Grace wanting to do the WOOF program? Yes. Um, and for our listeners, that's the Worldwide Organization of Organic Farming, and they call these people WOOFers. And Grace has been wanting to, to do an experience for some time, and she um, actually interned in Puerto Rico, as you know. And I am super jazzed because we are going to have the um, Rainforest Inn, uh, one of the owners um, on our podcast today. Uh, and I want you to know, too, that uh, one of our interns is trying to get a hold of WOOF so we can actually maybe have someone from the international organization on our show, too. Oh, cool. I know. That's it, great. I think you just want to keep saying WOOF. I know. Woof, woof. <laughs> I know. It is. And it's, what's even funnier is Grace is like, I want to be a woofer, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay. Um, I thought it was the stereo speaker thing. Right. You know? Right. Um, but anyway. Um, I think that's a woofer. A woofer, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm saying woof wrong. I don't even know. But anyway, let's get started because today we have Bill Humphrey, the um, one of the inn owners, he along with Renee Humphrey, of the Rainforest Inn to talk about the woof Ooh. program and their inn. A luxurious destination that is smoke-free, vegetarian, and operates as sustainably as possible. And they have actually, Kathy, taken almost every conceivable step towards making the Rainforest Inn a place that costs this earth very little. Their lights are warm LEDs. They have abstained from air conditioning in order to keep energy costs low. And they save water by using what the El Yunque gives them, collecting it in numerous cisterns. Food waste is thrown directly into a compost heap that they use in the gardens throughout the property. In addition, they don't use pesticides on any of their gardens, and the friendly bats and other critters of the jungle keep the property free of mosquitoes. Hmm. They have exciting um, future eco-friendly projects that they're designing, adding to their local food production with the large aquaponics greenhouse, which is food to be shared with the other guests, and an off-the-grid solar panel installation. So I'm excited to talk about these new things with them, too. So um, welcome, Bill. Uh, we are so Hi. glad that you're joining us today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So Renee is busy right now. So we, she's our, our, our in manager, and I, I, I do more of this kind of stuff. And she's busy with a dinner we're doing tonight uh, with the uh, Puerto Rico Philharmonic Orchestra. So we've got a string quartet here. And, That's uh, cool. And then the meal is uh, vegetarian, like all we're 100% vegetarian, and then sometimes vegan. So uh, we tried to be vegan; it was too hard. 
Yeah, it is tough. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it's tough. But uh, and and Renee's actually plant based because uh, uh, she's doing it more for. When once you start doing that, I mean, we're saving this tremendous savings in sustainability because uh, animal uh, husbandry, which is a, a wonderful skill that people have and farmers do, it's really bad for the environment. And uh, and so we, we we're helping with that. And then of course uh, the uh, the diet is also healthy for the individuals on it. So it's really it's really nice. You grow every almost everything you eat, from what I heard from Grace, um, right there. Well, we have the tropical things. We try to grow more of the traditional crops that, from the northern climate, it's just very difficult. Mm. Uh, it really has to be done with greenhouses, and so a lot of our sustainable activities uh, uh, require money. We have a big, huge greenhouse that we're going to build uh, when we complete the treehouse suite, which is our, our going to be our fourth villa. So it's it's pretty massive. I wish I could show you pictures. It uh, it's a three-story concrete. Everything has to be concrete because uh, we have these uh, visitations from the from the and more so now with global warming. So we have the hurricanes that blast through here, 200 mile an hour winds. And so our structures have to be able to stand up to that. And so it's fairly expensive to build. And so we're building a, a three-story treehouse suite. And the second story of that, the whole front of it, is going to be a greenhouse. I saw pictures of it. It looks awesome. And that's going to have lettuce and tomatoes and, and uh, cucumbers, actually, we can grow. Uh, eggplant, we want to grow. Spinach is really difficult to grow because it wants colder weather. And so a lot of these traditional mm. crops that are so easy for you to grow up, up where you guys live are harder. But then, of course, we have bananas. And we have bananas that you've never seen. We have the, uh, the manzanos, the, the guineo manzano, which is the apple banana. And that mm. uh, tastes mm. like a crisp apple. It's just a, And you, you can't ship those, so that you, you'll never see those anywhere except here. Oh, that's and cool. then we have wonderful papayas. We have a hybrid, you know, seedless papaya mm -hmm. that uh, is just absolutely delicious and we have tons of those and we have passion fruit we have a big right outside you may be able to hear in the background uh it's raining we are in the rainforest <laughs> and uh so my office here where i'm talking to you is it has windows overlooking our one of our ponds our second pond that has a, a lot of big koi in it wow and uh and and a biofilter full of mint and uh for mint you know so we can make mojitos and and uh, black uh, ma black magic uh, taro. So taro's like uh, you're probably familiar in Hawaii. So we have a massive black magic taro in that biofilter that uh, we're going to have to pull out of there and eat because it's, it's getting quite large. Side that little pond is a is a is a really large uh, passion fruit. So that's called parcha in Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. and it, and uh, maracuña in Spanish. And that that passion fruit uh, is just a guest favorite. So we serve those with the breakfast, and and we don't even make juice or anything. We just take them and cut them in half and say, take a spoon and eat it, mm. and uh, it's just delicious. But for the dinner tonight, we're making from. We also have a lot of ginger in our garden, fresh ginger. Mm -hmm. We're making. Uh, she's already made it and I've tested it. It's really good. It's a uh, a ginger passion fruit fresh ice cream. Wow. So yeah. they just made that. And then she's serving that on a on a on a flourless chocolate cake. Uh, I I make chocolates, so so I import a lot of really good chocolates. Uh, and and uh, so she's choosing some of the really good uh, um, seventy percent chocolate and and this uh, to make the cake. And and it's it's a dessert to die for, which is what we want to do. 
Okay, well, I want to talk about how you got started, but let me ask you one really quick question about this Philharmonic event tonight. Is it a fundraiser for someone in the community? We can't. We did some. Right after Maria, we did several fundraisers. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, we now, whenever we do a fundraiser, we cooperate with somebody that we know here locally, like, the, uh, like for example, the uh, Foundation for Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. We work with them. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, because we're too small, we can't really do anything significant. We did raise some big time money for Christmas gifts right after Maria, though, and we and we had a big giveaway with the mayor, which was which was uh, was worth doing. But uh, the 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 fundraising activities that we do is it's very small, and it tends to be for ourselves. So uh, mm-hmm. this particular one is like a test, so we're not charging anything. Uh, we have a lot of licenses, uh, and we work with tourism, but we're we're a little confused about the licensing we have for dinners. So, because um, we have we have health certificates uh, for our, our actually my wife is a the, the master chef, so she has a health certificate. But we're worried about you know whether we should be like a restaurant because because uh, we have a health inspector that comes up here every six months, and so so we're more like a it's called a pop up dinner. So so we do an event, and the and and we're not really charging anything for it but mm-hmm. it makes our place more fun for our guests sure. so all of our guests yeah. are in the dinner and and uh the the musicians we didn't have to pay because they wanted to stay here really bad so <laughs> we're uh, pretty popular locally well, that's so, a, that's so the, a great the, way the musicians are staying in one of our villas so bill how did you get started with uh with the rainforest and in and and specifically your affiliation with with woof woof with, with, uh, well, we start. We did that before they existed. Okay. We 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 started uh, actually an interview just like this, only it was for print media. So in 2003, we were interviewed by an Italian travel magazine, and we had a writer staying with us, who was writing a novel, a, a cowboy ghost story, by the way, very select genre, and he and he uh, was working in exchange for room and board. And so we told the the Italian journalists about our, you know, we're starting to have volunteers that come and stay with us for room and board, and they help us build the inn because quite a bit of work. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and he wrote, he was excited about that, and most of his article was about that instead of our inn. And so we ended up booking out with uh, with volunteers for uh, just from that article for a couple of years. And then we did Craigslist. I don't know if you remember Craigslist. At one time, Craigslist was not all about sex ads, and. Uh, <laughs> So we advertised on Craigslist, and we got a lot of volunteers there. And then the woofing—I can't remember her name. I'm sorry. The uh, owner of the woofing site, Woofing USA. I talked to her, and I said, "Well, we're not a farm, and and but we we do this stuff." And she was kind of interested in what we do, and so she she said, "Yeah, go ahead, list your place, describe your that you're a bed and breakfast, and you do have do a lot of farming, but we're not really a farm." And and uh, so we started getting woofers, and then. So it went volunteers, woofers, and then it went interns. So then, uh, so my background is journalism. So I have a degree uh, at University of Nevada, and then I went to UCLA in dramaturgy, so with, uh, in the master's program, but didn't graduate. And I was the editor of uh, LA Show Guide in Los Angeles. So my whole background is traditional uh, print media journalism. And so I started talking to some different, actually University of North Florida was my first intern. And I met a professor there. And he sent me 
CJ, and you can see her video that she did. So she was our first intern uh, from a university, and then it just went on from there. We've gotten several more universities, uh, and then we've moved on now to to uh, English immersion. So Quebec University sends us, they'll send us their every one of their students because they love us. And so every year that we get a couple of, of, of French-speaking uh, English immersion interns, and a couple of them have been of lumberjacks and been very useful. <laughs> And then we have hospitality interns too. So we've had some, there's a university in France that has sent us a couple of those. And, and we really love the interns because they're, they're young and they're capable and they're, and they're excited about getting a good grade. <laughs> and and uh, they have a project that we can help mentor them through. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of, it's very rewarding for Renee and I also. How did you make the transition from your journalism career into um, owning the Rainforest Inn? And why the sustainability and... Uh... I sold the magazine in Hollywood, the publisher and I, so I had a small interest, and, and uh, to an English investor. And at the same time, my, uh, my sisters needed my help in Northern California raising seven children. And, and so uh, very young, I was 20. And uh, the buyer of, the, of the, uh, the British guy that was buying the magazine uh, during the board meeting when the sale was going on, I thought he was going to say I had to stay on for, you know, six months or so. My father's a businessman. He said, that's standard. You know, they, mm-hmm. they don't want the head editor to leave. So I was sweating it. And he pointed at me and he said, the hippie has to go. So without cheering or smiling, I, I went, was able to immediately go to Northern California and help my sister. And I built a trailer park up there. did a lot of construction, uh, um, very small, like a couple trailers. And to help her with the with the with the kids, and being so young, I didn't realize how rewarding that was. And so then the next project was to come to Puerto Rico, and uh, I always wanted to, to live in the tropics. And I came here to build a house for my uh, my father to retire in, and, uh, and my uncle has a lot of had a lot of land here back then. And I came here, and I found out that it's hard to make a living here. But I ended up working as a fancy, because I'm a yachtsman, I do a lot of sailing. So I ended up uh, building fancy yachts so, and repairing them. And that's how I made a living here. And I moved on. That was hard work. So I decided I'd be a, a marine surveyor, which was sounded a lot easier to me at the time. So I did that. And then I moved on to uh, ship's agent, which I still do. So I have the smallest uh, ship's agency in the Caribbean, representing down island trading vessels. And that's fairly lucrative and the money from that builds the rainforest in so so long I, story i guess Sorry. you would say that you're it was we usually ask our guests if their involvement in whatever their organization is was by default or by design and it sounds like yours was kind of by default huh no i wouldn't say that i i my entire life from when i was made my bucket list when i was 13 you know, I wanted to fly a bush plane in Alaska, so I went to Alaska when I was in high school, and I wanted to ride a motorcycle around the world, so I bought a R75 uh, BMW, and I rode it to Panama and back, and uh, I wanted to live in the Caribbean, so I went here, and uh, except for the helping with the raising of the children, I didn't realize that's really, kids don't, you know, I was 20, so I didn't know, don't realize how wonderful it is to raise children, and uh, but everything that I did was something I wanted to do. <laughs> So uh, uh, the only thing I don't want to do is be broke, and that happens sometimes. 
<laughs> by default. So, Bill, how, how would you define corporate social responsibility? Wow. That, you know, that's really hard, and that's back to money again. It's important that the corporations have, especially the larger ones, mm-hmm. they have to have either a department or a overall, you know how the corporate corporations have like an identity, like Apple Computers, Steve Jobs created that identity, mm-hmm. uh, and which was like not very responsible. <laughs> but uh, they, they have to have either an identity that's responsible from the, oh, a good example is up there in, in uh, REI. REI is extremely responsible. They, they help out. Uh, uh, I think the, they, they're giving all their money back uh, to, to, uh, to help uh, global warming. And, and uh, that's the founders that are responsible. So the corporate identity is responsible. But if they can't do that, like Apple again, then they should have, and I think Apple does, they should have, because they're huge, a division of their, of their corporation who's, and then hire people that are responsible have an education in environmental science and, and, and things to do quite complicated in the case of a manufacturer like that, that, that so that they don't uh, every step of their way, you know, at least a couple steps forward helping the environment and not all of them headed for global warming and, and, and global catastrophe, which is what we're seeing, especially with eat food, for example, food is the, is the worst one because the uh, 70% of America's arable land is a, uh, for you know cattle which is that's old we should give that up <laughs> not an easy one though mm. how do um well i have a couple questions but let's let's go i want to talk about some of your other sustainability projects that you have going on um besides the the new greenhouse um the solar panels the the Okay, the solar panels, that's money again. So we, uh, Puerto Rico, the politics of Puerto Rico is uh, the federal government is not helping us as much as they can not help us and get away with it. So I applied for an SBA loan, and I was going to use that to do the solar panels, which is about 35000 for us to have a sustainable solar panel installation. I actually, with my ships, worked for Tesla at the time, and uh, I was going to be... I was real excited about it, but they weren't going to give me free battery power walls. <laughs> and and uh, so I needed that loan. And uh, we were turned down, as was every single small business that we know of in, that was Puerto Rican owned. The only ones I know of that got the big loans were, were uh, ones that were U.S. owned corporations. So, so uh, the sustainability projects that we are succeeding in doing, we have beautiful raised beds that we're growing all of our, our fruits and vegetables. In the kitchen, uh, my wife has beautiful uh, uh, grow light. Uh, they're not sprouts. They're, they're, I just forgot what they're called, but they're little tiny plants that she cuts and serves on the, on the, on the breakfast as kind of an edible decoration. It's just beautiful. And then she has a pottery outside because we, you know, we have nematodes, and we have things in the tropics we have to fight. So growing the, the vegetables that we want to use in our meals is a little bit more difficult than it is in a northern climate. But that, so that's all sustainable. And then we have uh, for our internet, we have uh, solar panels that's a cheaper installation. So a, a little uh, lithium battery uh, device with a with a, a charging system set up and some small panels on the roof, and that keeps our internet running even when the power goes out, which is pretty important because our guests want to, that's the only 
connectivity we offer them. No TVs, no radio, nothing that distracts from the uh, sounds of the rainforest. No air conditioning. So, but it's kind of cold here, so um, in the winter. It, how, how it, right now, it's it's freezing cold right now. It's seventy five degrees. Mm. I'm practically shivering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, how common is it, Bill, to have? Um, you know, uh, businesses like yours in Puerto Rico, companies that are interested in uh, sustainability or, or social responsibility? It's very common. I'm just thinking of my friend Eddie, who owns Casa Sol in Old San Juan. He has a way better solar panel installation than I do. And he did that by himself. So he put it together and paid for it uh, out of pocket because there's no, there's no help. There's no federal help. There's no Puerto Rican help. There's nothing helping sustainability. Uh, right now, if, in fact, I'm familiar with what's happening in the island of Vieques and their power generation. And, and, uh, and the help that they got was because it used fossil fuels. So, so uh, that's what's happening right now with federal mandates is, is, uh, is, is there's – I mean, you're familiar. There's a 30 percent tariff on solar panels. That's just crazy. That's a that's a growth industry in America. That's a very amazing growth industry that they said, oh, let's stop that. So so uh, it's it, it's so the places that are successfully in Puerto Rico doing sustainability and there's quite a few. They're all very small. Um, they're they're little places like Casa Sol. There's uh, out on the island. There's a couple places I know of. And they just have all of, that they pay for themselves, you know, and it was not cheap. Thirty, forty thousand dollars to put the solar insulation in. They're a little bit motivated uh, because of you know the hurricanes come through and wipe out our grid. So it's really nice when you have solar uh, and 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 generating systems, uh, which we have because our power goes out all the time. So we have a propane generating system. That's very expensive mm, to I run. Bet. It was cheap to buy. So five thousand dollars to buy that generator compared to the solar panels, and it's twenty kW. So it's much. It's about the size of what we want to do with solar. But it cost us, uh, when we were running that after, so we had no power for six months after the hurricane. So we had to run that about four hours a day because we had to keep the refrigerators cold. And, and then I had some solar panels to help. And I had a bunch of uh, batteries that I would charge up to do things like fans and stuff. And and that cost us, I'm trying to think, in, in, in propane around $1,400 a month. Mm. Wow. And so 100% on the grid, comparatively with all of our energy savings, we're only – and this doesn't compare – these dollars don't compare to the U.S. because our electricity is much, much more expensive. Mm, but right. uh, when our on-the-grid power is, is around $700 a month. But that's 24 hours a day. That's all our refrigerators. We have seven refrigerators because they're villas, so each one has a refrigerator. And, and we have uh, – and I know how many fans we have because we had to replace half of them after the hurricane. Uh, we have 35 ceiling fans. <laughs> And and uh, so we have a lot of stuff running that, that's continually using electricity. Bill, before we wrap up, I want to ask you how you think the um, most recent New York Times Best Destination article, naming Puerto Rico as the best destination of 2019, how do you think that will affect uh, travel into Puerto Rico and you particularly? We were really worried in November because we were not booking. And uh, it wasn't until late December that we started booking and then relatively recently. Now, now we're booked 100% through March. And that article may have had something to do with it. Uh, New York Times gives and New York Times takes away. Uh, we, had, we had the Zika scare and New York Times didn't help with that. Modern day journalism tends to be, well, um, 
cook bait. You know, it's it's uh, uh, stories that uh, uh, you don't have to read much, but the headline's exciting. And uh, the Zika scare was not well researched. I mean, there's Zika in Florida and South Texas, and 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 they that wiped out tourism in Puerto Rico for almost an entire season. And then the aftermath of Maria has wiped out tourism in Puerto Rico because uh, I still get phone calls. Oh, is the rainforest open? You know, you can't close the rainforest. <laughs> it's right outside my door. But uh, they, you know, they're calling about the the uh, central area of the rainforest, which has the very easy trails. And uh, those trails, the Forest Service did a very good job opening up. And they started with some of the, the best trails. Right up the road from us is the El Toro Peak Trail. Maybe you'll do that when you when you when you come and visit. That's an amazing trail. So that's that's a round trip six hours. And then our private trail, we opened up. We were open for business two weeks after the hurricane, but we had no bookings because everyone thought from reading the news stories in New York Times, the horrific scare stories, that uh, Puerto Rico was not a place to go to. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad they're giving a little bit now too. Yeah, so. yeah, I bet you are. <laughs> we, we we owe they owed us. <laughs> well, that's a great segue for you to give our listeners your uh, website address and contact information so they can um, go online and see all about the Rainforest Inn and how beautiful it is and what a unique experience it would be for them. Well, please, everybody, book direct, rainforestinn.com. You just go there with your, with your browser, and there's a big button that says Book Now, and you'll see our calendar. And that is the uh, the, the most uh, cost-effective way to, to make a reservation here. We're on all the other things, too, you know, like Booking.com. I don't know if people realize that, but Booking.com and Expedia is always 20% more than Booking Direct with the, with the property. And then we're also on Airbnb, and uh, we're kind of invisible there because Airbnb is all about low cost. And we are a boutique van and breakfast, so our, our rooms, our villas are a couple hundred dollars a night. And and uh, but you get a lot. You get the the gourmet breakfast. You get uh, like for example, the jungle suite has two bathtubs overlooking the the jungle that you can uh, relax in and sip champagne and really experience nature. Wonderful. Rainforestin.com is the best way to get us. Bill, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today. We really really appreciate it and uh, keep up the good work. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks, Bill. Let's give a big thank you to Matthew Sosi, our podcast engineer. You can visit the Taking Care in Business website at takingcareinbusiness.com. Or just visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Taking Care in Biz. That's Taking Care in B-I-Z. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at any time at info at takingcareinbusiness.com. Thank you for joining us today and... Until next time, take Take care care in business. Taking Care in Business is made possible with support from Conscious Capitalism, Inc., helping individuals and companies become more conscious with transformational experiences that inspire, educate, and empower people and organizations to elevate humanity through business. Go to ConsciousCapitalism.org for more information.